When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Movie Trivia Schmodown fans? Welcome to the only show that matters. Welcome to the Schmodown Rundown. My name is the boat Brad Gilmore, but you might know me by that name, or you could call me the Dreamboat, maybe? Oh, my God, you're my Dreamboat, for sure. Brad Gilmore and this bitch. And I'm joined by the man who spends an unusual amount of time trimming his eyebrow hair. He is Frank Jenner. numbers from a sexy player. Love those sexy. numbers. Sexy numbers. I love those numbers. I'm feeling really good about those. Sexy. Oh, I'm feeling those numbers. You know, I never get tired of hearing that. You shouldn't. <laughs> I mean, it is the wonderful vocalics of one Roxy Stryer. That's true. Although she is not referring to you in the sense of being uh, an oh, object I, of physical attraction. I think it's debatable. I mean, maybe, but however, you know what I mean. I would try to. I would try to do that. You know what I'm saying? I would try to like play it off. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Roxy's really into me. Right. Numbers. She like always talks about the numbers. Oh my god. <laughs> you didn't pick I up. I mean, you didn't pick up what she was putting down. Hey. Okay. <laughs> what up, Roxy? Carry the one. <laughs> Carry the one. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> one plus one. Uh oh. That's now two. Two's a couple. Squared. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. Oh. What's up, guys? I hope y'all are having a great Thursday evening. Right now, the Bucks are battling the Hawks in the NBA Eastern Conference Finals. We saw Chris Paul finally make it to the NBA Finals. Yeah. But we're not here to talk about any of that, Wait, Frank what? Janish. Oh. That's not what we were hired to do. We're here to talk about the movie Trivia Schmodown. The other sport that we all know and love so well had some great matches go down this week. We saw David Del Rio take on Frank Moran. Ben Goddard taking on King Khan. And we have to do a preview of what was coming this Friday, which is Drew McQueenie versus the Barbarian. And an upcoming collision extravaganza at the end of this month. And we're going to be seeing Mike Kalinowski in action as a part of Corruption with Chance Ellison going for those team titles once again and trying to dethrone the Hundy Hundy team. Yeah, double of, Hundy. Double Hundy. Of, of Shazam, right? So that's all going to be going down. So we're going to get to that here momentarily. Frank, let me just hit it one time because I saw they did it in karaoke. Give us some Roni, brother. Oh, yeah. Did you see that they did this in karaoke? In karaoke? Did you not see this? Winston Marshall and Video Drew went to a karaoke bar. Oh, really? And they sang 
And if you find the tender I did not know this. Yes. Yes. Well, so. that's that's a lot of fun. It's a great fun. Yeah. It was great fun. So um, that's going to be going down at Collision. So we're going to talk a little bit about that because Frank is the king of hot takes when it comes <laughs> to Mike Kalinowski and corruption. I have a hot take myself on Mike Kalinowski, but we'll get there later. Can, can I just say something real quick, too? Because no. I did tweet something out about this the day before. Yes. And I said something to the effect, you know, I see a lot of conversations out there that corruption could have the edge because they're really good at the speed round and it's in studio, so it's the buzzer. It's not the fast money type that we've been doing online. So that may give them the edge, and that could all very well be true, but it might not matter. Why not? And depending how you read that that sentence, you can take it one of two ways. And the first way, I think, or one of the ways is that – Shazam will be so far ahead, it won't even matter what happens in the speed round by that time. Or you could read it in the way that when it's time for that speed round, uh-huh. corruption, it won't even matter because they're so good at it that it just Shazam should just lay down and forget about it. So you could read it two different ways, and Mike did respond to it in, in the way that he felt was disparaging towards corruption. I thought that was very telling, Brad. I thought it was very, very telling. Um, but well, I, you have to admit, you have to admit, and you know what? We can talk about. Let's talk about the team's title now. Why not? Can we talk about? Should we talk about it now? Oh, you want to do it right now? We can do it right now. I mean, we can do it now. We're going to be having a guest join us here later. Yeah. That is King Khan. So we will talk about his match when we get to him. I had the pleasure of being on the desk for that one. But let's um, let's talk about this team's title match, man. Uh, here's, let's just answer this on the record. Yeah. What is your beef with corruption? I don't because have a beef. You with have corruption. a massive beef, I, and everybody, I don't. I really don't. everybody who's anybody is talking about it and knows it. Can, can I tell you the true story here, real quick, Brad? I would love to hear it. Many months ago, Many? Uh, maybe over over a year ago, I guess now at this point, when we had the the Clips channel, which has mm-hmm. now transitioned to the SEN Network channel, which you can find SEN Live and all those other shows over there now that are not actual Schmodown related. Um, That's anyway, Geekdom Show, Big right, Thing, Goofball, right, right, right. So anyway, so one of the things that I was doing over there was some people might remember this corruption series, like the birth of corruption, right. the rise of corruption. And I did like six episodes and I, then I kind of like teared it off and stopped. But over the course of putting those videos together, I really did become a bigger fan of corruption. So much so that, you know, I was I was low key rooting for them a lot last year. And I definitely love seeing them win the faction title. So I this this notion that. I, I'm a corruption hater, I think, is very comical to me. Um, and, and when I talk about, I think, teams or players from a statistical standpoint and and those numbers paint that team or player in a negative light, it's it somehow means that I'm a hater. I'm not. I'm just simply delivering the truth, the facts of the matter to go. the people, to the masses. And But, but because it's coming out of my mouth, I'm eh, – all of a sudden now I don't like corruption or I'm hating this person or that team. Like, come on, people. I know you just you just like to – I think people just like to project whatever they want to just to make themselves feel better, you know, about who they're rooting for or who they're rooting against. In this case, I guess, might be me. They're rooting against me and, and, my, and the facts, I guess. I don't know because I'm going to lay out some facts right here uh, uh, about what I think do, about. Before you lay out any matchup. facts, yeah. I have a question for you. Going back to Mike Kalinowski. 
right? Um, Mike Kalinowski. Actually, before I even ask Mike about, about Mike, who are the greatest inner geekdom players of all time? The greatest? Well, yeah. well, Kalinowski, top three: Kalinowski, Rachel, and Mara. Okay, Kalinowski, Rachel, Mara. If we yeah. put a fourth there, maybe Smets, right? I I would like to. I would probably have to put Chandra at this point, though. Just, okay. Just just based on the fact that he's been able to play and and defend that that Intergeekdom title. Why well, put Smets on right, four? Dude, that's my I list. That's my list. To put that's my list. That's I love that's to put him number one. I think no eventually problem. I will put him number one. No problem. But time will tell. But listen, listen to this. Mike Kalinowski beat Kevin Smets, right? He beat Mark Kanopic, and he beat Rachel Cushing. I yeah. believe he's the only one out of those top four who have beaten the rest of the people in the top four. Is that right? Rachel beat Mike. Rachel beat Mara, but she never played Kevin. Right. right. Okay, and Kevin never played Rachel or uh, or, or Mara. Mara. Yeah. Only Mike, but he beat Mike. Yeah. Mara played Kalinowski, lost to Rachel, never played Smith. Right? Well, no, Mara beat Rachel. That's what I said. She lost to oh. Rachel. No, oh, Mara. Yeah, yeah Mara okay. beat Rachel. Yeah, yeah, Rachel yeah. lost to her. Excuse me. There you go. Right? Okay. So, in my estimation, Mike Kalinowski is the greatest inner Geekton player of all time. Right? He's number one. Mm-hmm. Number one. Okay. Yeah, now, that's right. Yeah, I have him. Yeah. Now, here's the thing, too. We have to start looking at – we like to look at, like, okay, who's best of IG, who's best of teams, who's best of singles. I think there's a case that could be made that Mike Kalinowski could be a pound-for-pound all-time great. Now, what is pound-for-pound? That means regardless of division that you're in, regardless of weight classes, normally how they do this in boxing, who's the best fighter out there? So if we're not if we're looking at all their statistics, what they've been able to accomplish as a competitor in the sport, who's the pound for pound greatest of all time? I think you have to start acknowledging the fact that Mike Kalinowski's name could be number one on that list. He could be the pound for pound greatest Schmodown player of all time. I definitely hear and see that argument, and I think there's a lot of merit behind that. Personally, and this will this will never change for me. And I'm not going to try and persuade anybody else uh, to see this, but for me, the greatest pound-for-pound showdown player that ever played, that ever existed, is Rachel Cushing. In her day, when she was playing, nobody could match her pound-for-pound in her prime, in her prime playing days. She was doing everything at the highest level, all at the same time, whether it was singles, teams, or inner geekdom. She was a legitimate threat all the time and she played she's the only player to have played a title match in those three divisions um no one else has been able to do that not mike mike got close he's gotten close but he hasn't been able to seal that deal uh and put his name on that list rachel's the only player to ever do that um so to me she will always be the pound for i damrell's the greatest player of all time especially when it comes to singles um and he's certainly making his way uh in the team's division now and, and racking up Championships there, and Kalinowski, greatest intergeekdom player of all time, as much as I would love it for it to be Rachel, but she, you know, she cut her career short, and Mike kept she going, did. and he kept winning championships. And then, you know, He's for teams, fan. Snyder is, without a doubt, the greatest teams player of all time. There's just no dispute there, as much as there's no dispute with Merle as the greatest singles player of all time. I would still give overall, overall. right now, to Dan, 
But, like, there's nobody who could tackle three divisions the way Rachel did it. Just, there's no one. She has immense knowledge in everything. And and Mike's great, but he has weaknesses when it comes to singles play. And, and a little bit from time to time in teams. Now, they've won the team's titles tw- twice? Yeah. Twice? Could yeah. go for a three-peat? Well, wait. So they beat Shirelles. Right. They beat the Founding Fathers, and yeah, and then they just lost. They're, yeah, they're going back for them against Shazam. So yeah, yeah so so this would be a three-peat, right? Yeah. Mike won the IG title twice, three times. Yeah, so he beat Mara. <laughs> yeah. Then he had to beat Rachel. Yeah. And then he beat Mara again. Right. So three-time yeah. champion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I think that we have to start acknowledging that. Yeah, I know Dan's a five-time champion. Is a is he a two-times teams champion? He just won it once with Founding Fathers. Just once with Founding Fathers. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't know, man. You got to look at – you got you know, the thing is, when you talk about the greatest player of all time overall, I really only think two – and I love Rachel Cushing. I do. I do, and I hear everything that you said. But I think there's only two names that you can actually put on that list, and, like, it's in a real competition. And I know a lot of people are going to be pissed off for me saying this, but it is either Dan Merle or it's Mike Kalinowski. I I know I I agree. There's no with in that. between. It's one. I of the agree two. with that, especially when you stack up the championships between them, right? Mm-hmm. And um, the eras. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I and I will still always attach Rachel to the very end of that, just because of the type of player that that she she was in the league. But there's no doubt, you know. And I think even. Rachel might even concede this feat. Like, they have more championships. They've just played longer. And I think had Rachel been able to play and sustain uh, that level of play that she was displaying, I think, you know, we would have a crazy discussion between Dan, Mike, and Rachel. And maybe Rachel, you know, could have surpassed those two or, you know, or some sort of variation, you know. Who knows? But you're right. As of right now, due to longevity and the the accomplishments, it's definitely Dan and Mike. No doubt about it. I'm not going to argue with you on that one. Okay, well then, what what did you want to get into specifically about this team's encounter? So, I was looking at the numbers for Shazam, and they are like the, they are on the precipice of becoming really just the um, bar none greatest team of all time. They need a couple more championships um, and defenses because their numbers are absolutely insane. Insane. And looking at their their career as a team, that is Shazam, half of their matches have been in studio and half of their matches have been in the digital era last year and into this year. And when you look at the performance, the numbers, it is staggering what they've accomplished as a team. Corruption, on the other hand, they've accomplished a lot as well, just as much as Shazam, but their numbers just aren't quite there. And... You talk about the eras, you know, Shazam was at the tail end of of kind of like the teams that came out of Anarchy, and they were kind of running through those when they win that tournament. You know, Corruption went through a tournament. You know, they ultimately lost to Who's the Boss um, on their way through that tournament. Shazam won their tournament, but then lost at Spectacular. So I think Shazam and Corruption have a lot of parallels there, especially when you talk about the types of players that make up both of those teams. You can do the whole young and old argument thing. Right. Um, you know, and that really has panned out for both of those teams really, really well. But statistically, Shazam is just better. Insane compared to the level of play that the team's division displays on an on a match per match basis, if you will. Um, kind of really diving into this, I, I looked at Shazam's numbers 
basically from these two matches they've had this year and then the four that they had last year. So that's six matches. That's half of their their run because they're 10 and 2. So that's 12 matches, six matches. Uh, I was looking at their last six here. And right now, they are averaging, their accuracy rate is about 92%. And their PPE is 88, almost 89%. Wow. When you look at corruption in the digital era, they've only played four matches. Their accuracy rate is at 85%. Remember, Shazam's at 92. So that's a 7% difference. And But the, what's interesting here, though, is the PPE rate for Corruption in those four matches, so a little bit smaller sample size to, to Shazam. Corruption's PPE is at 87%. So not much of a difference there. Less than one, one and a, you know, less than a half percent there. So PPE-wise, that's what, you know, Corruption is a team that really, that really goes for you know, the home runs, the, the two-pointers, they don't check down multiple choice. Shazam would, would do that frequently. And and the reason why is how well they play the first round, Brad. Brad, in the first round, their average differential um, coming out of the first round is by four points. They lead by an average of four points coming out of the first round these past six matches. All right. That's crazy. Um, the it's last time they played, lead. when they dethroned Corruption, they were beating them by eight points, right? Bibbs and Brendan Meyer both had double Perfect first round, double dewberries there. Um, they are, their overall differential in the six matches, their past six matches, is a plus 24. You look at Corruption's four matches in the digital era, their differ, average differential comes about just above, a little bit above one point. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're trailing by eight to Shazam, but they've always been in tough, tight first rounds where either they're trailing by one or they're tied like they were with... Um, Oh, what's that other team? I forget. Uh, forget which team it is. But you know, then they were up by five against Danger Zone, which is kind of an anomaly between Merle and Bateman's performance in that round. But nonetheless, you know, their plus minus differential coming out of the first round for these four matches is only five points yeah. compared to Shazam's twenty-four. Sure, a couple more matches there too, but the differential there is crazy to me. And the one thing that I did find a little bit concerning, if I am a Corruption fan, is and this isn't to. Um, this is the part where people think I'm going to hate her on Mike. Okay? Let's hear it, Frank. But here's the facts. Let's hear you hate. Here's the Let's hear it. <laughs> here's the facts. On the what past are the facts? Six matches for Mike. He has not answered more than seven questions correctly in the first round. Okay, you know there's only eight that you can answer. Right, but he's never he's he's never had more than seven points though, Brad. Okay, so he's always he's missed had one at least. No, no, no. He's never had seven seven or more points. That's what I'm saying. Oh, he's never had seven or more. Right. So he's, so he's had only had like six. Right. So he's had six points three times, five points once, and four points twice. And those four points have come in the last two of his last three matches. You know, he scored six, six against Danger Zone, which was great. But previous two matches before that, he had put up four points in the first round. Part of the reason why they got really hammered there by Shazam that first time, go that first go around for them. It's a little bit concerning if if. Mike can't hit that seven-point range or perfect round range because Shazam does it quite often. In their past six matches, Shazam has double Dewberry twice. Double. Bibbs has had four perfect first rounds in those six matches. And two of those times, Brendan Meyer also was perfect, right? So they're very, very lethal. They're very, very dangerous coming out of that first round. So if they have a four-point lead, three, four-point lead coming out of that first round, there's reasons why, when I was looking at Shazam's numbers, their PPE rate is a little bit lower than you would think because 
with that wiggle room, they can afford, especially in three-round matches, they can afford to check down the multiple choice, play it safe, and not give up any any steal opportunities. But what they've done these last two two matches is they've gone perfect. And they've actually stayed away from going to multiple choice and took some shots at those two pointers. And now so they've been twelve they've earned twelve out of the possible twelve points the past two matches they've played. Obviously that match against the odd couple with Janine, you know, they had a hundred percent accuracy, hundred percent PPE. So, you know, going to this next match, you go, well you certainly can't keep that up. Maybe not. Maybe not. However, it's still extreme <laughs> what are the you know, their accuracy rate still is in the nineties, you know. Um so with that said, corruption when you look at their second round, they're very good in the second round, but they're a little bit up and down um, when they get whatever wheel size they get. You know, sometimes they'll hit, they'll have that 12 points, or they'll drop down to like an eight point or a nine point uh, second round. But they are known to, if they get an air geekdom slice that they put on there, which I'm sure they will. I don't know if it'll be both of them, but at least would probably be one. If they get that, that's probably almost a guarantee for 11, 12 points. But Shazam is good enough and well rounded enough that. Whatever they land on, they're probably still going to end up with 10 to 12 points and not give up any steal opportunities. And Corruption knows what that's like because in their entire career as a as run as a team, they've only had four steal opportunities in their time together. That's crazy. In their 10, in their 10 matches. They've only had four steal opportunities. Shazam's had, I think, seven or eight, a little bit more. So it's not like these teams, either of these teams, are really capitalizing off of steals and running with these matches. Corruption... I think to their credit has always been in tight matches and they've they're two-time champions. Yeah. Shazam has always come out blazing hot out of the barn and then has worked its way through the rest of the match. Gets a little tight, but they always 10 times have come out of come out with a win out of their 12 matches. So, it's and Ryan Chase in here as has Shazam ever been behind after round 1. I don't know that for certain, but I can tell you in these past 6 matches they have not. Damn, the past six matches, they so have not trailed. Crazy. They've so been crazy. outscored a couple times in the second round, but only by like a point or so. And that's, again, because they're checking down the multiple choice, playing it safe, because they, ha- they have a 3-4 or an 8-point lead in that, that corruption match in that, in that case. So if they have a, a huge lead, I don't think we're going to see a Shazam team play conservative as they once did, checking down the multiple choice, because once they get out of that second round and if they can have a five-point lead or a four-point lead. Now, this is all presuming that they go perfect and all that, blah, 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 and they continue to do what they do. That very well, that very well may not happen because this game is weird like that. But given their track record, I would be shocked if they have anything less than 13 points coming out of the first round. And then for Corruption, you know, you look at uh, their first round and they're averaging... Uh, where's my numbers at here? They're averaging around 12 points. And Shazam is averaging 14 in their last six. Corruption is averaging 12 in the last four. So it could be very tight. But if Mike, you know, if he if he puts up a perfect first round, I mean, I hate to say it all hinges on the first round, but it, it kind of does in order for Shazam to take them away from the game that they like to play, that they have been playing. But at the same time, they've gotten much better in the second round. Their second rounds have actually improved over time, over these past matches, where it's getting better and better and better, where they're earning more and more points. And these gaps are just widening as they play these matches, whoever they're playing against, you know. So, I will. It's it's not that the speed round won't entirely matter. It's just that it might be 
a little too late because once we get to that five round section of the speed round, there's, I think, I think it's heavily misconstrued that corruption is just going to like sweep that speed around. Chance is very good. Mike's all about it, but I think Bibbs has gotten better. Brendan Meyer is really good on the buzz around, and so if it's just like a three-two split, which I very yeah sure. It's my favorite Brendan. I mean, Meyer it may look ever. weird, but if it delivers, if it delivers, it delivers. It, it delivers. So if it's a split between three, you know, three to two in favor of corruption, that's that's not good enough for corruption if they're trailing if they're trailing at that point. Because once you get that final round, these teams are good enough that they'll just sweep for all ten points, and then you know Shazam's retaining, and you know, but. This is a crazy game because what happens? It's really hard to figure out what they would do in a betting round. I would almost guarantee with anything on that wheel, corruption is probably going to bet three. Shazam, they might bet two. They might bet Fine. three, depending on 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 that category. I don't know. It depends what that the wheel looks like. But I would be very shocked if corruption doesn't bet three, even if they are leading. You know, so because well, I, I think corruption's aggressive. You know what? I mean, you, you really make a lot of great points there, uh, shockingly so. And one of the ones that I haven't even thought about, because we're, we're back in a different era now. We're back in person tapings, right? Sure. So, Brendan Meyer, on that buzzer, I mean, the, the elements there, right? I, I talked, I was on John Roca's uh, show uh, on the Outlaw Nation channel, and um, I told, you know, we were talking kind of about why he feels that he's better in an in-person match than a, you know, digital match. And I said, you know, I, I will agree with you that there's a certain, that there, there's an intangible difference from playing here at your house versus playing in the actual element of the studio. And it has to do with his intimidation factor that Roka could bring in with him. Okay, so what, we went down that path. Yeah. I'm interested to see that how the dynamic changes after over a year plus, year and a half of no in-studio competition. What's going to happen on at Collision? Yeah. July thirty first is it thirty first? That's right. That's right. 31st? And that's why I bring up the fact that Shazam's half of their matches have been in the digital era. <laughs> corruption. They've been rocking than, for three a little years? less. Yeah, I mean, in corruption, a little less than half of their matches have been digital. I mean, four out of their um, what is it? Eleven you matches. Know. Yeah. Me. So. <laughs> seven, yeah, so, so seven have been in person. Right, right, right. So, um, they have the advantage. I I don't know that they do really because here's the thing: Brendan Meyer and William Bibiani they're they're not scared of that stage. They're not, not scared they of that spotlight, or they're not. I get not scared. They're not foreign to that element. That's nothing new for them. I think it's gonna be a welcome thing, just as much as it it will be welcomed for Kalinowski and Chance. I think the there's no advantage there for either team going back into studio. I I, I think. They're well, see, on the same level, whether it's jitters or not. I think that remains to be seen for sure. But I don't think there's some huge like advantage because it's in studio that you know corruption can handle that type of environment compared to Shazam. I, I don't think so. I think if anything, Shazam, when they were going through that run in the tournament and that lead up to Spectacular Four, uh, I think they are a much more confident team. They're a much more seasoned team, obviously, but they're a much more confident team than they've ever been. And that's a scary thing for every league, every team in this league. And so it doesn't I don't think it matters what venue you're gonna put 
Brendan Meyer and William Bibiani in, or Mike Kalinowski and Chance Ellison in, it's it's going to be pretty equal in my opinion. Sure, could they have a three to advantage in that speed round corruption? It might not. It really might not matter if they, if they come out ahead in that speed round, based on how Shazam plays in those first two rounds, because they're averaging like twenty six points in the first two rounds, whereas I think corruption is averaging about twenty three. So yeah. it's it's going to be really interesting. We're going to find out toward the end of the month when we'll. Did we lose Brad? Oh, did you lose me? Oh, now you're back. Okay, there you go. You know what? I think it had something to do with my Canada Dry. <laughs> it might be. <A> little... <laughs> Wait, what? That's a cool can, man. You know what I mean? Spared it's no like, expense, I bet. You have, have you ever seen Die Another Day? Yeah. Jason, why do you remember? Aston Martin calls it the Vanquish. We call it the Vanish. And then he hits the button and it completely <laughs> goes, you know, that's, 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 that's right, that's, right, right, right. They call it the Vanquish. We call it the Vanish. Hey, we had other matches that went down this week right. that we're going to talk about, and we have a guest joining us right now who participated in a winning, the winning side of one of those matches. Well, look at Brad's resetting here. You see that little uh, swivel there. So I'm going to go ahead and bring in our guest that is King Kong from the Finstock Exchange. Oh. <laughs> there you are. How you doing? I was doing? expecting two people, but yeah, this will work. Yeah, this will work. Yeah, we don't need Brad. Brad will... Pop back in. How you doing? You had a big, uh, big win today. Congratulations, or yesterday rather. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, how's it going? It's going great. Uh, good to get the the second win uh, after you know a, a, a kind of uneven first round, first game for me. But uh, yeah, going perfect in the second game doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's talk about how you first got scooped up by the exchange. Who reached out to you first? What were those conversations like? Did anybody else outside of the exchange talk to you? Um, anyone outside the exchange? No, I'll just say that right now. <laughs> um, and then all of the, all the jokes and the rumors are true. It was Craig, the barbarian who yeah. first reached out to me. Um, and then, so he emailed me saying, Hey, let's talk. We can see if you fit the faction. Uh, we got together. Uh, he interviewed me, quizzed me a little bit and he's like, yeah, I think we might think about drafting you. Uh, but that wasn't, that wasn't the end because he then delivered the dossier to the yeah. rest of the exchange. Uh, and then it was JTE was the key guy. He saw me in the dossier and was like, who is this? I need to I need to interview him as well. So then me and JTE scheduled a call. He was even more impressed. And that ultimately led to the exchange drafting me. So Now, uh, what do you attribute your, um, I guess, acumen in, in movie trivia? You know, do you always sit down and watch a lot of movies or is it just how does how does this how did this wealth of knowledge you mm -hmm. know, come into your possession? Do you think? I think, well, I've always loved watching movies, um, but a, a weird thing I do when I watch movies is I'll pause somewhere around the middle of a movie. I'll pull up Wikipedia or I'll pull up IMDb and then just look at if I missed something from the cast, if I missed a plot detail, because I just, I like knowing things about movies. It's this weird yeah. part of my brain that just likes are doing you, that. Are you like a big, like behind the scenes type of guy, commentary guy? Um, when I can find it, sure. Yeah. But, uh, it's mostly just like knowing at least, you know, who directed the main stars, like making sure I knew what happened when I was watching the movie in case I dozed off or something. So I think that that's how my acumen, uh, that's where it came from. So, and it had, was, that was prior to prior to the showdown. Yeah. So that was just kind of a natural thing. And I'm assuming yeah. that sort of thing is, is kept up and may even have evolved 
Um, yeah, it, it only helps if you come in with a with a background in in that sort of stuff. It only helps the trivia. <laughs> All right, look at look at this guy. Look at look at. Hey, so no idea what happened. I don't know what happened to you either. <laughs> no idea. But it, what's up, King Khan? How you doing, man? Hello, Congrats nice to see you again. Yeah, yeah, you as well, man. I mean, I, I don't know what y'all just discussed, but um, obviously you're coming off a really strong win for the Penn Stock Exchange. Ben Goddard, a guy who I think, well, was it last year, Frank, or the year before where he had that rookie run? Last year. That last, yeah, year? last year. That was last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We really thought that Ben Goddard was going to be the guy. So when you got that name sent to you, like, hey, this is your next match, what was your idea of having to battle Ben Goddard? Were you um, were you confident that you could go out there and do it, or were you like, hmm, okay, Ben Goddard, this is a this is a challenge? I mean, I think it is a challenge, but it's one it's a challenge I welcome because right. you know I saw all the chatter after my first match with Flickinger. Oh, the the rookies can beat other rookies, but how are they going to do against players who played before? And so I was right. I was welcome. I was happy to see that I was playing someone who wasn't a rookie. So, uh, I mean, just. You know, I go into every match with confidence, no matter who my opponent is. Uh, so I just had to had to exude that during the the match with Goddard. <laughs> and I think the I think you did because. And how much of it is Gucci, really? I mean, how much of how much of the, uh, not so much your confidence, but your calmness. Like mm-hmm. you have you have a real sense of of zen, for lack of a better term, when you go in there. Like you seem really like focused and and locked in. Does he have a lot to do with that, or is that your natural disposition? I mean, having Gucci just come up with like a zinger during the manager time always helps calm me down and keep me loose. But I think um, I found that when I've been answering questions, I don't feel as nervous as I thought I would under the lights because you know I know I know a lot of this stuff. I know movie trivia, and so when you know something, it's not as nerve wracking for you when you even when you're in. The arena so i think having gucci and just coming in with this with this readiness is what keeps me calm so why don't we walk through the match a little bit frank if you want to break it down for us so uh first round uh it ends nine to eight in favor of you ben he misses that bonus question Mm -hmm. um but going to the second round you know you decide to go first what's the what's the the mindset there with a one-point lead and, and not deferring to your opponent there I think just uh, my mantra is always, if I have the lead, go first, because I want to be able to have all the categories available to me uh, in case, you know, my opponent takes away a strength, uh, if that ha- if that should happen. So I always like going first, put the pressure on, make my opponent have to see the deficit and then maybe slip up when it's their turn. So that's why I go first. So you have an excellent round in Pixar, obviously, right there, you know, mm-hmm. pick up the full eight points there. But then Ben Goddard, and there, there he goes, <laughs> there he goes again. and Brad's back. Okay. All right. And, uh, and then he lands on opponent's choice. Was there mm-hmm. any doubt in your mind you were, that you were not going to give him move release dates or are you going to give him something else? I mean, I, just, I was looking at the wheel uh, with Gucci just to make sure I hadn't overlooked something. Um, but once I saw the movie release dates on there, and since it seemed to trip most people up, I was like, yes. Because, you know, movie release dates is really a category. Oh, it's just me. Uh, <laughs> Go for it. Good, okay, it's, it's it's a category where you either know it or you don't. It's hard to study for. So uh, I knew Goddard, or I had a feeling that Goddard would slip up, and it turns out he did. And I was ready to steal because I know movie release dates. Do you do you know him well enough to take it on a spinner's choice? 
Um, you know, who's to say? <laughs> You're to say. You're to say. If you know, you know, if it happens in a match down the road and like my first pick is off the board and it's still there, who knows? So okay. you just have to wait and see. Okay. And and <laughs> and once, you know, Ben was going through I guess I guess you got those two steals, did you figure mm-hmm. this is going better than I thought it would go? or it's going better exactly how I thought it would go. What's your mindset in terms of the lead that you had there, um, knowing that maybe you can get a TKO out of this? You know, what's your mindset? Oh, it went way better than I thought. I didn't expect <laughs> to be up eight points at the end of round two yeah. um, against Goddard. So, you know, I was I was hoping for a TKO, but then it, once we move into round three, he, he came to play. He didn't want to add another TKO to our record. So yeah. props to him for that. You guys <laughs> have like... You know, a, Go for it. You guys have internal discussions about who gets TKOs and knockouts and stuff like that in the exchange. And you're like, is that like kind of like a bragging rights thing? Is that, you know, back in like World War II and then the wars, you know, when you shoot down a plane, you get like a tattoo or, you know, you get a painting on, on you of like how many planes you shot down. Is it like how many people you have knocked out? That's your point of reference, Frank? <laughs> I shot down planes in the Second I mean, World like, War. Just you like get the a tattoo? Yeah. What are you talking about? That'd be great. Get a little, yeah. get a little JTE face, you know. Just, you know, as... <laughs> but is there any of that, uh, Con? I mean, ideally, we'd like everyone in our faction to know what uh, getting a TKO feels like. But I mean, yeah, it's it's just it's a it's a it's a badge of honor uh, in the exchange if you can join the TKO club, uh, and most of our members already have. And That's, so it's true. So you know, there's only so a few who bad. haven't, and they're and they're working hard to to see if they can get one. <laughs> I guess at this point in the season, it's a little ridiculous for everybody, and my, myself included. Frank does it. I mean, everybody does it. Everyone's like, "Oh man, the exchange! Like, who saw this coming?" You know, they really mm-hmm. are. You know, surprised. But at this point in the season, don't you feel like members of the exchange should be the odds-on favorite in every match that they enter, just based I mean, on what y'all have done this season? I mean, if you ask us, then yes, we should be the favorites every time because <laughs> you know we, I know how much work all of our all of our uh, my faction mates put in, and so I mean I don't I can't speak for other factions, but you know we we do the work, we support each other uh, before every match. You know when the wheel comes out, several of us will hop on a call with the competitor and, and just help them out, even if we're not like in an IG match, even if like non IG players will help IG players study. So I think we're always prepared going into a match, and I think we should be the favorites. As as a rookie, Con is and the study and the prep and the teamwork is it. Is it more involved than you thought it was going to be? Or is it what you, I mean, I mean, I guess it's hard to kind of guess mm-hmm. what it'd be like, but are you surprised at the level of, of what it takes? Or because it's obviously paying dividends, what you guys are right. doing. Are you surprised at, you know, the level of investment it takes to attain, you know, the success that you guys have so far acquired? I mean, I'm, I'm mostly surprised that almost every member of the exchange finds time to help each other because you know we have some some busy people yeah. on our faction like griffey news yeah. uh i did not think he would you know be spending as much time with us as he did but you know he's 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 in several zoom calls he's in several scrimmages helping us so um i'm just surprised that top to bottom we're all we're all involved and all trying to get the the points for the faction so at, so i mean going into the final round with an eight point advantage mm-hmm. you pretty much know Okay, I'm probably gonna lock this up. I, mean, I don't. There's never been a uh, a comeback larger than is it six points? Six, yeah. Six. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean, eight points. You you got to feel pretty confident in that. So you you know you're gonna win this match. As as 
the match is ending and you do eventually get that W. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the what's the first thing in your mind as a rookie? Because the Flickings, your match was what it was, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it was what it was. We we understand it was two rookies going at it, and and you said you got a little some of that um, you know, I don't know, feedback if that's the term to use from the fans. Like, oh, you know, he only you know beat another rookie. Mm-hmm. When you beat Goddard. What's going through your head? Do you feel like you've arrived? Do you feel like you're solidified? Are you ready for an even bigger challenge? Do you think that that's the level you should stay at, guys like Goddard, or do you want to attack some of the bigger dogs? I mean, yeah, I think I've arrived. Uh, but, you know, I can still see the people after this match with Goddard saying, oh, well, he, like you only won or you only had such a big lead because he spun opponent's choice. And that's, that's going to be an argument for as long as the digital wheel uh, is around. But, I mean, I, I saw a comment recently uh like breaking it down because spinners and opponents are on every single wheel outside of championship matches so in theory that those are the slices you would spin more frequently because they're always there it's like if if for example if meryl streep was always on the wheel you might see a lot of meryl streep so i think because spinners and opponents is on every single wheel for every match that's probably why you're seeing opponents more and so you know it, it, it just comes with the game that's part of the strategy so I think beating Goddard, even with opponent's choice, is is a valid win. So. No, absolutely, and I will I will say real quick about this opponent spinners type of thing uh, on the wheel. I am curious because I do want to go back and, and look at the numbers for pre digital wheel, you know, mm-hmm. physical yeah. wheel and digital wheel. I'm because I'm just curious, and because it does, <laughs> you know, because look, as much as it's you know it's on the wheel all the time now, right? It was yeah. on the wheel all the time back then as well. Yeah. So. Um, it is interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. I, I know there have been players um, kind of wondering about what the heck's going on with this wheel. Um, <laughs> and, and I think it's fair at this point, given the, the sample size that we have between last year and so far this year. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Everyone plays with it. It's like, yeah. There's yeah, no I mean, advantage or disadvantage. Everyone's playing with it. So it is what it is. Plus, um, you have to know what to give your opponent yes, when they spin opponent's choice. Sure. If you Still give them a, a bet, we've seen, yeah, we've seen people give the wrong slice to an opponent and then lose. So, right, it's right. all part of the game. Um, for you now, uh, you're, you're going to move on to your next match soon, um, mm-hmm. hopefully. And we know that there's this 32 person tournament coming up. I mean, have you had conversations with Gucci about your involvement or lack thereof in that tournament? Um, there have been discussions and I think we have some of the members locked down for singles. Um, I can't say whether I'm part of that or not, uh, but I'm ready to play once Gucci gives me the go ahead, uh, either singles or teams. So, you know, it's just, it's just, uh, continue to improve my game and then the results will follow. Yeah. It's well, weird. Cause I look at the numbers on the screen here. It's two and oh, that's so right. An XC rate of 94%, PPE of 93%. Now look. Gucci's not a complete buffoon, but you look at those numbers. <laughs> I'm just like, how do you not a complete how do you not? Buffoon? How do you not? How does he not occupy one of the four slots? I mean, yeah. Look, granted, you guys do have a plethora of talent there, and so uh, it's not exactly like a super clear cut and dry. Right. This person, this person, this person, this person. You know, because like you, you got John Roca, JTE. I mean, they're on different paths as well, but Roca, JTE, Riffy Nooms, yourself. Right, barbarian. Um, so I mean, there are and, and so there are options there well, I mean, for him. But, you know, let me ask. Let me ask you, Frank. Let me interject. Who the four yeah, that yeah. you're putting in? If you are, if you are, I'll try to give no reactions. 
Who are the four that I'm going to put in? Let me. Because I'm putting in Roca. I'm putting think, in. Yeah. I'm putting in Roca. I'm putting in JTE because mm. of his singles. Because of his because of his tournament runs before. It's, it's right. One really, but. Well, he had a good run. I mean, All true. Right. True. Then I'd put in Griffin Newman, Griffy Nooms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I put in King Khan. I would put in Roka. I would put in Griffy Nooms. I would put in Khan. And I would put in Ty Lieberman. I'd leave JTE out. I mean, I'm not. Mad I, mean, at I that. think I think JTE. It might have been announced that he has his own separate yeah, path to the title. So, so I think, like, even he might be out just because be. of it's, circumstances. I'm waiting to so, hear so like you're confirmation confirming that JT is. No, out. I'm not. I don't know if that's true. I'm just saying he does have a match. <laughs> we got him. Bro. We got him. Yo, baby. so what you're saying <laughs> is that JTE? No, okay, I'm just kidding. Right, right. Um, he does have um, a path to the belt, is what I meant. Right, so, right. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah well, we all do. <laughs> All right. Even even you, Frank has a path to it. I have, you know, okay, well, I guess like, not. Yeah, you yeah. have one. I have a, a seven year path, Frank. <laughs> Look, man. Seven so Flirt and Flouse is the champion in the FCL. Everyone's got a chance. All right. Everyone's got a path. Never um, say never. <laughs> <laughs> so so let me ask you this. Uh, this is uh, off of your match, uh, which again, congratulations again. It was my honor and pleasure to call it. Um, but your uh, faction mates are going to be in battle this Friday, um, mm-hmm. which is tomorrow. Uh, barbarian taking on the Godfather, Drew McQueenie. This is a great. I like. I styles make fights. I love the matchup of these two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love it. How do you see this thing playing out? And and you know how how much work or have you done any work with Barbarian leading up to? Oh yeah, I mean Barbarian's ready to play. Like even though he's only had one match, which he did unfortunately lose, he's ready to play singles again because I think that's probably where he shines the most. And you know. We, I've talked about how he was the one who got me in exchange. He is he is studying almost every day. He calls me up sometimes to say, like, hey, do you want to go over something? So I know he's ready, and I know he'll do well against McWeenie. McWeenie's a tough opponent, but, you know. Yeah. He's tough, but he's Barbarian's also been ready. on ice for a little while, right? Yeah. McQueenie. So Craig's just hungry for it. So I think, you know, it'll, it'll be a tight one. Okay. Absolutely. Well, you know what? I want to ask one last question before I get out of here, Con, because, sure. um, you know, obviously you were – a fan of the showdown before mm-hmm. joining the showdown who are some of the players or teams as well that uh, you really were looking up to or made sure you had to watch their match because you had to see what happened great question i mean i did watch every match that i could so i was i wasn't just like following one player or one team so sure, i, I sure, tried sure. to watch as i tried to watch as much as i could just because i love you know playing along and stuff like that but um I'll, I'll, I'll try to think of people who aren't, you know, related to my faction. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's fair. That's fair. Don't say John Roca. All right. right, because that's a given. Um, I really did like watching. I know he's retired now. Josh Makuga play because yeah, it was yeah. it was it was it was super entertaining every time he played. When he won, like that that burst of energy he got um, was was just infectious. So uh, it's it's unfortunate he's on the league, but you know, the times we had it was it was good. So I'll say Makuga. Okay, awesome, Josh. Yeah, I mean that Wildberries run was that Wildberry era was phenomenal. Man, what a time! What a time! <laughs> phenomenal. You could they not watch have, those. Yeah, yeah they, exactly. They need to have one like reunion match. Like let's just just next season, let's just do one <clears throat> match of the Wildberries. Never know. You know what I mean? That's what I would do. And you know what? Maybe y'all are always welcome to do it in the FCL if you'd like to do it. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> 
Yeah. King Khan, man, we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Again, congratulations on a dominant victory over the bandit Ben Goddard. And uh, best of luck in the rest of your season. We wish you continued success, and hopefully we see you in that tournament. I appreciate it. Thanks, gentlemen. All right. That Thanks is King Kong. King Kong. Thanks, King Kong. King Kong. It's very easy to say King Kong, isn't it? King Kong. Yeah, I think that's what they're going for there. You know? King Kong. King oh. Kong. I think that's what they were doing there, Brad. I think they uh, I think that's what they were doing. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I had, you know, let me not blow up her spot, but y'all need to go check out Steph Sabra on an episode of the World Girls. This was on Instagram I saw it the other day and I had to make reference to it. She put together live on camera that Rick and Morty was based on Back to the Future. Oh, did I, did I not see that? Hilarious. I felt like something. Yeah, okay, I'll have Hilarious. to check that out. Hilarious, so make sure you go check that out. Um, Frank Moran, David Del Rio. This is a match that I also got to uh, sit yeah. down and call. And had a busy um, week. I had a busy week, man. But <laughs> David Del Rio, um, all of a sudden, this guy looks like he's really, really good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we knew that he was good. Yeah. But for some reason, he would always kind of slip out of that conversation of, oh, you know who's a good, who would be a good piece? David Del Rio. And then David Del Rio comes through in this match, and he's on fire, man. Not only was his mustache looking sensational, he was playing at another level. I, I was really impressed sitting there watching David Del Rio make some deep pulls, too. Some real deep pulls. And he wins. Uh, was it a TKO that he won by? Uh, it was. Um... Yes, it was. Yeah, it was TKO. TKO. Yeah, 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 it was yeah. TKO. And, and Frank Moran, he couldn't pull. Um, uh, just a couple that were just right there, and I don't know. I don't right know. Right off the bat, right off the bat with the right seven off the minutes. bat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right off the bat, it was real weird. And and the thing is, I it was one of those things where I, as I was asking the question, I, I saw him thinking through it. I knew that he knew the answer. Do you know what I mean? Right. But he couldn't get to it. He couldn't find it. Right. And so um, I, I felt a little – I didn't feel bad, but, like, I felt like, oh, man, I know that you know this answer. But you just couldn't get to it in time. And um, that is one of the things that you can you, you really realize in this game, that 15 seconds isn't that long of a time to answer a question. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's really not because if if it was – I think – if it was longer, I could probably answer more questions. And I know I just don't answer any right. <laughs> when I play along. So, yeah, it's definitely too short because I'll take I, – I could probably – I could get almost maybe 80% of these questions if I had two minutes a question. I'm not going to lie to you, Brad. Like – but it's the 15-second thing, man. That's what makes it, you know, part of the game. Is, is the, the game? Does that make sense? Whatever. The game makes it part of the game. Yeah. David Del Rio, though, recently yes. picked up by Kaiser – and um and very interesting situation that I would love to get to the bottom of in well, terms of what transpired with the den and him having to be dropped or not having to be dropped but he was dropped I'm not, sure, I'm not clear on those reasons I'm not sure if it was ever if it's ever been put out there if Kate's ever talked on it I haven't reached out about it or inquired really uh, about her side of things and why that happened so I, I can't really. I'm not going to irresponsibly speculate on what may or may Don't not be have been going on there um, because it is interesting that once he was picked up by Kaiser, a couple weeks later, he's playing in a match. So it is very, very interesting that a player that was dropped 
then gets picked up and then plays in a match like a couple weeks later. It's a very interesting situation um, because for whatever reason, whatever happened over in the den, um, it's it, it can't feel great to see a player you drop get a TKO. <laughs> yeah, in his first you know? match with his new faction. His apparently, match, you know, apparently, according to the chat, Thomas Harper has explained it in the Schmodown Reddit page. So I guess we can investigate that at a later date. Um, well, I want to investigate it right now because right I, I, I got to know. But, I mean, okay. what was your your other thought? I mean, like, David Del Rio was impressive as hell. He was hell. great. Um, I mean, only missing well. the bonus question there was um, – Okay, I I see the I see what uh, Harper has posted here on the Twitter. It's a little lengthy. Uh, not that lengthy. Let me let me just read read it for the folks here. Um, Go for it. It's also on the, in the Schmodown subreddit if you want to read it for yourself. But I'm going to read it for the most part here. Hats off to Del. This is Rob, um, Thomas Harper. Um, saying this hats off to Del Rio for playing an incredible match and once again showing just how good he is anyone who thinks the roster move wasn't a brutal, brutally difficult one to make is off the rocker we knew Del Rio would get a match and we knew he'd be good so this result isn't surprising I don't speak for Kate or the entire faction that's important so this is just my own insight and personal take on on the thinking behind it at the time of the move faced the very real prospect of Lacey being unavailable for the tournament due to some really fantastic life circumstances that left us in a big fix Kate has a has full confidence and me, that is Harper, to win the belt, which means I'll be unavailable for the fall tourney. If Lacey couldn't go, we'd be left complete without a Star Wars player or be forced to hope a decent Star Wars player emerged during the final signing period. I can say with virtual certainty that Ross would have been snapped up had we not made a move. The odds of that happening are low. Maybe we'll see one more Star Wars FCL match between now and the roster deadline, question mark. And my confidence in Ross is sky high. Having personally tested him, with questions I wrote and trained with him since then, I can confidently say he could go toe-to-toe with goal leader Damon DiLonzo or Kelly tomorrow and win. How he slipped from the draft is beyond me, uh, likewise. But his Agreed. skill and dedication are top tier outside of the FCL. It's also slim pickings on trying to swing a trade for a Star Wars player without being forced to give up talent like Del Rio. Anyhow, leaving the potential for 10 or more points on the table didn't make much sense. Me gaining an additional highly skilled Sparring partner has already paid dividends, particularly while Saul has had to focus in his own path. I've already gotten better at, at, as a player from what Ross has contributed, and that should say something coming from someone who hasn't missed a question in three of four of his own matches. No doubt we paid a price for the swap, but we have huge confidence in our bench of singles players who will swing the axe hard when called. If Del Rio ends up in the tournament, something far from certain at this point, we all end up winners since he's a huge asset to the league. I'm glad he's getting to showcase his love for the league on a great faction, but... Our move came down to trying to beat to to beat position to best position ourselves for the fall. No roster move is ever 100 percent perfect, but this one was the right fit for the arc we're on. So that does answer a lot of questions and some logistical okay. um, um, obstacles that they had in regards to Lace's availability, whether or not she'd be available. And you look, they're fully projecting and predicting and or confident that Harper's going to get the belt. And that would leave him out of a tournament. And if Lacey was unable to go, you know, they got to pick up somebody to fill that. Because that's a lot. Those are three-point matches, Look, you know, as opposed to a two-point match win in singles. So I get it. I get the move there. I, I get it. I get it after that explanation. I will say this. If Ross Arsenal or Ross from nowhere finds his way in the Star Wars tournament, he's winning the whole tournament. That, there's literally zero doubt in my mind. 
he he may he may not miss a question. The guy is insane talented. And um, I hate that we only got him for one match in the FCL, but I'm Dang. also glad that people got to see what he can do. And uh, I was, Kate p- picked him up. As Harper, you know, put in that, that piece there, I was very surprised that he did not get drafted. Uh, I saw his – any manager who saw his his audition tape, I was thoroughly impressed. I mean, you're looking at an incredibly smart dude um, who has a love for Star Wars. And when you put those two things together – you get the Thomas Harpers, you get the Alex Damons, you get the Laura Kellys, you get the Molly Damons, you get, you know, the Andres Cabreras of the world. You know, those are the type of players, I mean, really all Star Wars players are like that. Um, but when you saw his audition tape and the way he articulated in that tape uh, what he's all about, I was shocked that he was not drafted. And um, But now, look it, he's on the den, and Harper is writing glowingly about him and what he's done for his game. So it's... I understand that move. I mean, Star Wars matches, those point more points for those matches than it is for singles matches. And if you run if if Ross can run through a Star Wars tournament, if he's called upon to do that, you know, it, it's going to end up being a good move. It's going to be almost being a win-win there kind of for the den and for possibly the dungeon if Del Rio does in fact go into the tournament and does, make some noise there. So, um very very interesting the way some things have to happen. But, um, you know, and again, Harper's word, I, you know, as he said, he's not, you know, official statement. He's only speaking for himself and his insight. So um, makes a lot of sense to me from his vantage point, what he put out there. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, uh, David O'Reilly, congrats on your win. Uh, good win. And uh, I'm sure Kaiser loves having you. Real quick, before we sign off, Tim Sim with the 499. Several people noticed that opponent's choice was landed on in many recent matches. Thoughts on... Anything odd or just coincident? It, look, man, it's a wheel. If I spin, if I flip a coin ten times and it lands on heads nine of the ten times, is it a little weird? Sure, but it's, <laughs> yeah. it can happen. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the odds of it happening, but I know it could happen. I could flip it and it could land on heads all ten times. It just happens. You know what I mean? I don't, I, when, when, when people say, like, in, in Tim Sim, I got love for you. I'm not talking about you specifically. I'm talking about like a general you. When people say stuff like any anything odd going on, I, I don't like the inference there. Like, Sure. I don't like the inference. You know what I mean? And having and, and producing a show on a weekly basis where we do two matches that has uh, a digital wheel. And, I mean, you look at Nick Harley, the newest pickup from the stars. Every single match that he played in, he got opponent's choice. Every single time. Right? Yeah. What are the odds of that happening? Very slim. But they happen. And, you know, the algorithm is a spinning wheel. Yeah, it only and, means to spin. And I, I've talked to a few players, you know, they've voiced, you know, their thoughts on the digital wheel. And they're not, no one's pointing the finger at anybody in a nefarious way. They're just like, what is the deal with this thing? You know, and. But, you know, and it, it and happens with the real wheel, too. Sure. But, Brad, we can't deny the fact that the rate at which it's happening. Sure. Is something that. We weren't accustomed to pr- prior to the digital era. But we also and, weren't accustomed to having as many matches as we have today. I mean, that's fair. And that's why I said you know, earlier in the show, I want to go back and look at the numbers and look at the rate at which, you know, Like for every 10 matches, how many times? Right, right. In comparison, you know, um, to, you know, in 50 matches, you know, if we have opponents landed on in 25 of them, all right, well, that's 50%. But if also... We have a hundred matches, and it gets landed on fifty times. 
yeah, it's happened more, but still at the same rate, right? So I want to go back and look at because you're right, we're having more matches, obviously, yeah. so that's going to factor into things. Uh, so that's why I do want to do a little more digging into that, and uh, hopefully I'll actually hopefully I'll try to have something uh, next week for that. Let's, oh man, please, yeah, can you please have it next week, Frank Jensen? I'm putting pressure on you because I know you're not a very busy man. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. right. <laughs> well, um, so just real quick, who do you have tomorrow? I want to say Barbarian because this dude puts his heart and soul. He puts his heart and soul into this thing. He really, really does. I think listening to Khan there as well, how you know he reached out and uh, to him initially. Uh, that was before you got, you came back <laughs> into the into the show. Um, so Barbarian is very much involved and very much in this thing, man. I mean, like he really lives it, you know, and. and and it's very rare. And I think that's also part of the reasons why I think... Remember hearing in the offseason where Bateman was trying to bring Barbarian with him wherever he was going? Right. That's part of the reason why. is like this dude is so entrenched. Yeah. And you want players... You want to be surrounded by people like that. Um, so I, I, I am... I guess I'm more or less rooting for Barbarian more than I'm picking him to win. Uh, I'm just I'm just rooting for a Barbarian to win, and I love Drew McQueen. I love that he's back in the league. He's great for the league, an insanely knowledgeable guy, especially when it comes to the '80s. Um, you know, he had that podcast, everything '80s. So um, he's he's great. He's a great critic as well, and he really puts out some great pieces with his uh, newsletter. If anyone's subscribed to that, I think was it um, Famous Dangerously or something like I forget the exact title off the top of my head. But if you subscribe to it, it's great stuff. So he's great for the league. It's gonna be a great match tomorrow. I can't wait to watch it. All right. Well, I got uh, I got Barbarian. I'm going my heart. I'm picking with my heart. Frank Janis, where do people know where they can find you or follow you? Well, you can find me and follow me at a, at a safe distance on Twitter and Instagram at FrankieJ29. That's, you can find me. Yeah. Oh. No, no, Frankie no. That's it. You can find me wherever books are sold. Back from the oh, future. Boy. That's not the rule, Brad. Oh, I'm sorry. At Brad Gilmore, at Brad Gilmore, at Brad Gilmore and everything. And we'll be talking about all the craziness that happens in the movie Trivia Schmodown next week. Until then, be well, stay safe, and remember, sexy numbers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.